and poured himself a third. The grandfather clock in the hall struck twice, two in the morning. He unlocked the file cabinet in the bottom drawer of the desk, rummaged through the folders until he found the file he wanted, a copy of his will. His lawyer kept another copy, and a third was inside his safe at the house in Bethesda. The contents of his will were not secret to anyone. Everything he possessed would be equally divided among Jordan, Devon, and Ryan. Jordan had protested, telling him that she didn't expect such an enormous legacy, but he had quieted her protests with a tender caress. "'I owe you more than I will ever be able to repay,' he told her. Dan finished off his third drink. Minutes ticked by as he contemplated the Glock on his desk, Grandfather Price's antique desk. Family lore claimed the desk had belonged to Jefferson Davis, a contemporary of his ancestor, General John Ryan Price.' Dan poured another glass of bourbon, picked up the bottle and the glass, and walked over to the leather Chesterfield sofa. He sat down, placed the bottle on the floor, and considered his options. Death was preferable to the fate that awaited him. Dan's eyelids flicked open and shut. In the twilight zone of being half awake, half asleep, he didn't immediately realize where he was or what had awakened him so abruptly. Woozy from sleep and too much bourbon, Dan recalled that he had contemplated suicide to solve his problems. But in the end, drunken, oddly enough thinking more clearly than he had when he had been sober, he had realized that killing himself would have been the coward's way out. Dan swatted at something cold against his cheek. His fingertips raked across the metal object. He opened his eyes fully, staring up at the woman leaning over him, and smiled. She did not return his smile. His gaze zipped from her familiar face to his own hand holding the nine-millimeter, its barrel pressed firmly against his head, and it was only when he tried to ease the gun away from his head that he realized her hand covered his. Her index finger squeezed tightly over his, against the trigger. What the? Before he could react, she forced his finger down against the trigger, firing the gun at point-blank range, directly into his brain. Dan's last thought was that someone he trusted completely had just killed him. Chapter One Jordan Price was a cold-hearted bitch. Cool, controlled, and calculating. If she was a better actress, she would at least show some sign of emotion. She could fake tears or heave a deep, grieving sigh. Anything to indicate she felt at least a modicum of remorse over her husband's death. But the lady hadn't shed a tear. Not during the church funeral attended by hundreds, and not at the graveside service for her family and close friends. Rick Carson had met her type before, alluring and dangerous. He hadn't known the late Senator Price personally, but he sure as hell felt sorry for the poor bastard. Every man... Even a damn politician deserved a wife who mourned him. As the light drizzle increased and quickly turned into a downpour, black umbrellas popped open to shield the small crowd of mourners surrounding the open gravesite. The scalloped edges of the burgundy red canopy sheltering the immediate family, seated in double rows of four chairs each, flapped loudly as the April wind whipped unmercifully through the nearby trees. Small town southern cemeteries were pretty much interchangeable. Many of the headstones dating back to the early 1800s, and a few graves marked with only large rocks. Rick figured that for the most part, 
His dirt-poor ancestors lay in unmarked graves throughout the South, from Virginia to Kentucky and on into his home state of Mississippi. His father had been the first in his family to acquire a high school diploma, and Rick had been the first to graduate from college. He had about as much in common with the dearly departed senator as a buzzard has in common with a peacock. The woman at Rick's side raised her open umbrella, just enough to clear the top of his head, which, due to her being 5'10", meant she'd lifted it only a few inches to accommodate his 6'2 height. Nicole Powell was his boss's wife. Actually, she was Griff's bride of seven months and co-owner of the Powell Private Security and Investigation Agency. If Griff wasn't out of the country right now, he'd be here instead of Rick, who had worked for the agency the past five years. As the minister uttered the final prayer in the 20-minute ceremony that had included the mournful wail of a bagpiper's rendition of Amazing Grace,